Alright, let's get right on into it. My name is Melissa, and I have no idea how to cosplay. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Melissa Doesn't Know How to Cosplay. I'm sorry I did that to you. But anyway, welcome back to another episode. This episode I'm going to be proclaiming my love and worship of sewing patterns. Wow! Wow! <laughs> um, my cosplay diary, I'll talk more about how I used a pattern to complete my Charlotte cosplay. And I owe my life <laughs> to patterns now. Patterns are the future! Um, I've used patterns before in my cosplay. Oh, oh God. Um, I've used patterns before in my cosplay. Uh, the top for my Haru Maid costume was from a pattern. Um, oh, you know what? I'm actually gonna get it. Okay, so I got it. <laughs> so, yeah, the pattern I used for the top of my Haru Maid costume and other tops I plan to make in the future because this pattern is incredible. It's called M2045 and it is a cosplay my, by McCall's uh, pattern. It's from the Vault Collection, Unlocked Treasures by the McCall Pattern Company. That's cool. Anyway, it's this button-up top that has a bunch of variations that are really, really useful. It has, um, the main pattern itself, the main top itself has, like, ribbing on the sides. It has a puffy sleeves. It has a collar. There are two patterns that have, like, a collar where, um, lace is supposed to come up and two patterns where it's just, like, a fold-over regular collar. And um, the pattern differentiations are basically like, where do you want ruffles? Do you want ruffles anywhere? How do you want to put the ruffles on? Do you want ruffles at the bottom of the sleeve? Do you want ruffles uh, on the bottom of the shirt? Do you want ruffles at the top of the shirt? Do you want ruffles in the button-up portion? Do you, do you want no ruffles? No ruffles at all? Okay, we got that too. Um, so it's a really, really useful uh uh, pattern. Um, I, again, have made it before. I plan on making it again. In fact, I plan on using it very soon in my noir cosplay to make that top. Um, so, also, I plan on using it in my ruler cosplay, which I really, really, really want to get to work on before the end of the year. I really would like, it would be such a nice present to me to have it done in December. Um, but, your girl don't have any money <laughs> and I gotta buy Christmas presents for family and save up for money to heat the house in the winter. Woo! Anyway, those are real problems. I don't need to talk about those. But um, yeah, so this pattern is super useful. From what I can tell, the vault collection is kind of like the Disney vault where uh, they don't always have it open. They don't always have this stuff available all the time on the store to buy. Um, so I guess, I guess I'm lucky that I was able to catch it. Like I didn't realize it was not something they always sell, but I've looked on the website recently. I haven't looked for it by number, but I've kind of like scrolled through the website recently, the McCall's website, and I haven't come across it. So I don't know if they sell it all the time, but uh, if you ever need to make a cosplay with any type of shirt like this, I highly recommend it. It's a pretty easy to use pattern. Um, not super easy because it's a shirt and shirts are goddamn hard, but uh, it's not like the worst pattern to use. Um, I really like it. I hope I can get a lot more uses out of it. I just need to treat it nicely, treat the nice little tissue paper with respect. <laughs> but, um, 
yeah, so today's episode is all about patterns and my love for them and my um, fucking obsession with them. Um, patterns are super useful. I, I, I've never heard anyone say this per se, but a small part of me thinks this, so I assume other people think this. Patterns kind of feel like cheating. Like, you're making a costume, but you're using instructions someone has written. You're using pieces of paper to cut out the exact right parts of fabric. That's kind of an insane line of thinking to have because I'm not selling these. <laughs> I'm making these for myself. And I might, like, like in the future, if I make good ones and I don't want them anymore, I might sell them. I've seen cosplayers do that. It's really useful for, like, other cosplayers who have the money to buy them and want them. But, like, when I'm making these, I'm not making these to sell. I'm not making these for commissions. I'm, I'm making these costumes for myself to wear. And so, one, it's not like I'm stealing someone's work and selling it. And even if you are... I don't know, like, you're still sewing the garment. Like, I don't, I don't know if it matters. The matters got, my, the waters might get murky there. I obviously don't endorse stealing people's work and giving credit, but I, I, I don't really know the business sense of using a pattern to make a costume and then selling it. Um, that might be a fun episode to get into later, but right now that's not anywhere where my head is at. Um, and so I don't know why I have this, like, tiny little voice in my head, like, tiny, 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 that's just kind of like, you're cheating this isn't real. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know why I have that, but I kind of do. I kind of feel like guilty. Like, oh, I didn't, I didn't make this pattern by hand. I didn't really make this, but like, I did sew it. I did make it. And it makes it easier to make. And it, it, it kind of builds a foundation of like sewing literacy when I'm reading the instructions. And I'm not super sure what's happening, but like I'm reading the instructions and it's kind of building like a, a baseline of how things are shaped and how to do things. And, and um, as I'm going to talk about later in my cosplay diary section, when I was making Charlotte, um, I had to edit some pattern pieces. And so it's kind of giving me an idea of like how to edit pattern pieces and stuff. And so I don't think there should be any shame involved. And God knows I, I have bought so many patterns recently because like, I've just come to really enjoy patterns. I just put it in an order the other day. McCall's had a Labor Day sale and they had like $4 uh, patterns, maybe $5. I don't remember. But I bought two patterns. I bought one for a vest, which I'm definitely going to use for noir because I'm kind of nervous about that because I want to use a faux leather fabric for it. And I've never worked with that kind of fabric. The last thing I need is working with that type of fabric with a pattern that isn't going to work. <laughs> and um, obviously I'm going to make a mock-up, but like still, you get it. And I also bought a pattern recently for, it was a Yaya Han, both of the patterns I just bought from McCall's are Yaya Han patterns. Uh, they look very good. I'm sure they're very good. Um, I don't always necessarily agree with stuff that Yaya Han has to say, but uh, I respect the hustle. Like, she's got a lot. She's got fabrics at Joann's. She's got patterns in McCall's. Like, she has this whole empire built, and I, I respect it. Don't necessarily super love the things she has said <laughs> about cosplayers of a bigger size, but like that's not for today's episode. Anyway, um, so I bought the the vest pattern and I bought a like I don't remember what the pattern is called because obviously they can't say it's a Sailor Moon pattern, but it's it's a it's a pattern for like that kind of bodysuit and skirt and like sleeves. And so like I think it has a lot of variations I can use if I ever want to make a Sailor Moon costume. 
which I, I kind of want to have one, you know, laying around. I kind of want to have just like a Sailor Scout just that I can whip up there or I can just put on. Just be like, oh, I'm going to a con. It's going to be kind of hot. Uh, I don't really know what costume to bring. Oh, let's just bring a Sailor Scout. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. And I think I have a pattern that I have not, a couple patterns I haven't opened yet. One being a, um, another McCall's. I do a lot of shopping McCall's. McCall's is like my primary pattern source. I, I don't really shop much at, what are the other ones? Butterwick? Uh, I'll Google it in a second. Uh, the rest of this episode is going to actually be a little bit of a dive into the history of patterns, but, um, most of the ones I have in McCall's, I have one that's a school uniform, which will come in very handy when I make any school uniforms, which I'm sure will happen. And then I have, um, two that are just like fun costumey ones. I didn't buy them with any specific purpose. One of them kind of looks like a evil witch kind of thing. And I think what I kind of want to do for that later on is I kind of want to make like a Rapunzel costume out of that and make it like a dark evil version of Rapunzel. Like if Rapunzel had stayed with Mother Gothel and kind of like become evil, kind of become Mother Gothel. I don't know. It's just, she's my favorite princess and I've always kind of wanted to cosplay as her, but I don't like her outfit. Like I don't like her dress. I wouldn't want to wear her dress. It's not flattering on a body type that looks like mine. And, um, that's a, that's a huge part of why I do costumes sometimes is like, oh yeah, that would look great on my body type. And that one just wouldn't, and it doesn't look that fun to wear, but if I more made an evil version, that would be fun. Oh, I think I also have a pattern of, um, a corset and a hoop skirt and like an under outfit, but that's way more for like historical stuff. And I'm not anywhere ready to make a corset or anything. So, whoa. <laughs> But, um, so yeah, let's get away from what I have in my pattern closet and get into the history, shall we? Okay, there is a very short Wikipedia page called The History of Sewing Patterns that I will now be reading from its story time, my friends. William Jennings Demarest and Ellen Louise Demarest began the home sewing pattern industry in 1860 by holding fashion shows in their homes and selling the patterns. This was the beginning of Madame Demarest's Emporium of Fashion. They published the magazine The Mirror of Fashion, which listed hundreds of different patterns, mostly available in one size. Patterns were of unprinted paper, cut to shape, and could be purchased flat, which meant folded, or, for an additional charge, made up with the separate pieces tacked into position. The latter version was intended to compensate for the absence of detailed instructions. So I follow this YouTube channel called, um, <laughs> it's not called anything, it's just the name of the person, Angela Clayton. She makes really, really cool videos. She makes vintage, um, dresses and outfits, and some of them are costumey, but most of them are just like, she follows old patterns and she makes vintage clothing from like the 50s. And I think she has this new series called um, Sewing Through the Years, Sewing Through the Decades. And it's really, really cool. She follows these different patterns from different eras. And she talks about how like they're, you know, they may or may not be hard to use now because of these kind of issues where some of them were made for only one size and they don't have printed instructions and they just have pieces of paper cut out with like holes and dots and just like stuff you're supposed to just kind of know how to use. And so the series is a lot of her being like, yeah, I figured it out. 
but it was hard because of these problems and this problems and she's able to show you obviously because it's a video um and I really love that series I love anything she does I think uh she's so good at sewing and I'm always really interested in what she's making and what she's working on and also she has actually made a few historical patterns for McCall's so yeah if you're interested in that kind of thing I highly recommend her videos but her videos actually show patterns from the 1930s and 1920s and 1940s and 50s and everything and how they were printed and um why they are kind of difficult to use because of how they were printed okay back to the history ebenezer butterwick oh my god <laughs> ebenezer butterwick launched the butterwick company in 1863 to create heavy cardboard templates for children's clothing oh that actually sounds really useful Butterwick's innovation was offering every pattern in a so series of standard graded sizes. Members of his family cut and folded the first patterns that were sold from their home. In 1866, Butterwick began manufacturing patterns for women's fashions and later added some articles of men's clothing. They began publishing the fashion magazine The Delineator in 1873 to publicize their patterns. Their patterns started as unprinted tissue paper cut to shape, as we've seen, folded and held together by a pinned, later pasted on label with an image and later brief instructions. Oh, cool. In the early 1900s, they began to use an envelope to hold the pattern. What were they using before? Uh, in the late 1910s, they introduced a separate instruction sheet called Delta uh, from the first three and last letters of Delineator. In 1948, they purchased two new presses, especially uh, designed to print markings directly onto the pattern tissue. Well, good for you, Butterwick, because that's, um, if you've never used a pattern that is the, um, uh, what happens now is you receive a pattern and it's in this envelope and it has a, a page of instructions, probably very large, but it's on like thicker paper usually. Um, cut so their patterns are printed on pretty thick paper, which I really appreciate because using thin tissue paper kind of freaks me out. I'm always afraid I'm going to like rip it and cut it and just like do short, uh, like treat it horribly or something. But usually you get these huge pieces of tissue paper that have printed on them very, like you can easily see where the things are but they're huge, you have to like unfold them and lie them down. And uh, printed on them are the pattern pieces. Um, they're usually marked which size, like how, how to cut the pattern, which lines to cut the pattern on for the size you need. And usually the pieces are labeled in the middle of like what they are, like A4 or middle side or like something like that. They might have markings of like gather here or, you know, here's a here's a pin or, you know, this kind of stuff. Um, and so you can like really see on the pattern where things are supposed to be and what things are supposed to do. And in the early days, nothing was printed on the paper. It was just cut out and they just had holes. And it was like, I don't know if I can guess. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's really interesting to learn about how in the old days, in the 1800s or early 1900s, they were just kind of cut pieces of paper until eventually someone was like, wait, we can print on these. You know that, right? <laughs> and so now when it comes to you, it's not pre-cut. You have to cut it yourself, but that's really good because you can cut out the pattern you want and make it really personalized. All right, James McCall, a Scottish tailor, established the McCall Pattern Company in 1870 in New York City. Patterns were unprinted until 1919 when they started printing information directly onto the pattern pieces. Hell yeah. In the 1920s, selected patterns had full color illustrations on their pattern envelopes. That's usually um, what happens today. Like that is the standard for today is sometimes pictures of the pattern made up into an outfit or sometimes it's just um illustrations of the outfit of what it's supposed to look like 
Um, either way, you, you see what it's supposed to look like. In 1932, they started printing full-color illustrations on all pattern envelopes. McCall usually printed the date of release on their envelopes, the only company which consistently did so before the mid-century, which makes it easy to date their patterns. Awesome, go you, McCall. Vogue Pattern Service began in 1899, a spin-off of Vogue magazine's weekly pattern feature. In 1909, Condé Nast, Con, I don't know how to pronounce that, bought Vogue. As a result, Vogue Pattern Company was formed in 1914, and in 1916, Vogue patterns were sold in department stores. In 1961, Condé Nast uh, entered in a licensing agreement with the Butterwick Company. Okay, that makes sense. I think I've seen uh, Vogue patterns um, as part of the Butterwick pattern. Like, you can find Vogue patterns anywhere. Actually, I think McCall sell Vogue patterns. I don't know. I guess over time, everyone has been able to license separate Vogue patterns. Simplicity Pattern Company, Inc., <laughs> started producing patterns in 1927. Their goal was to produce an easy-to-use, lower-priced pattern. They were one of the fastest-growing pattern companies, opening offices in Canada, London, Australia, and several in the United States. Their patterns are sold in over 60 countries. Their unprinted patterns ended in 1946 and were all printed thereafter. Dewberry patterns were manufactured by Simplicity from 1931 to 1946 exclusively for F.W. Woolworth Company. Hollywood Pattern Company was started by Conde Nast in 1930. They were known for printing photos of Hollywood stars on some of their patterns, quickly making them very popular. They continued production through the end of World War II in 1946. Wow, sounds like Conde Nast really had an eye for marketing. Sounds like Conde Nast were like, hey, yo, you know what women want to do? They want to look like goddamn celebrities. Let's just show them what these outfits look like and also show them the celebrities that wear them. <laughs> Go you, Conde Nast. It's upsetting I've never heard of you and I don't know if I'm pronouncing your company correctly. The New York Pattern Company started in 1932 and continued in the early 1950s. They were unique in that the pattern sleeves had drawn characters rather than photos and the paper used was non-glossy. Eh, I don't know if I like the idea of the pattern paper being non-glossy unless the gloss left something on the fabric. I don't know. I feel like the glossiness makes it harder to rip, but I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Advance began manufacturing patterns in 1933, which was sold exclusively by JCPenney Company. Uh, the company con continued through 1966 until it was sold to Puritan Fashions. Interesting that none of these are Puritan Fashions. <laughs> Fitzpatterns.com began offering downloadable patterns, sewing patterns in 2004. These consist of full-size patterns to be printed at a copy shop on a large format printer or in a tiled version that can be printed on an A4 or letter-sized printer and taped together. I've seen those a lot. I've seen a lot of companies offer downloadable patterns that you can print at home and tape them together. That sounds like a lot of fucking effort and I don't like it. <laughs> Cloth kits devised cut and sew clothing kits for home sewing that avoided the need for paper patterns. Cloth kit kits pre-printed fabric with designs and the pattern lines. That's interesting. I think I like the idea of that, but I think that would also be, it'd probably be easy to reuse and easy to store, but also the idea freaks me out. <laughs> the idea that it's like not, like having paper on top of fabric makes it very easy to be like, you can lay fabric very flat very easily and see with your eyes what needs to be where. Whereas fabric, it feels like it might shift a lot. Depending on the fabric underneath, they might like kind of put each other out of position. Paper tends to glide right over fabric and so it doesn't really get in the way. So I don't really know if I like the idea of that, but at the same time, it's a very interesting idea. Anyway, that's the end of the... 
<laughs> yeah, that's the end of the Wikipedia page. There's a message at the top. The examples and perspective in this article may not represent a worldwide view of the subject. Interesting. Yeah, because these are mostly like American companies. Yeah, four historic American pattern companies still exist. Butterwick McCall's Simplicity and Vogue. Oh, Vogue is its own thing? I'm so confused. I'm so confused. Anyway, so yeah, that was me reading a Wikipedia uh, page. You are welcome. <laughs> um, and I forgot to do this last episode month, but uh, something I do try to want to do is uh, point out uh, tutorials or a YouTube channel or just some kind of helpful thing. Um, not only do I want to give a shout out to Cut Sew because the pattern that I used for Charlotte, which I will talk about in the cosplay diary section, uh, that was so good, so easy to use, so nice. I also want to shout out uh, someone I've already shouted out in the in the podcast, Angela Clayton's channel. Um, her channel is super nice if you are just, like, she doesn't do cosplay. I think she might have done a few costumes a couple years ago, but now she's really just into vintage fashion. But if you're interested in that and you're interested in, like, how vintage fashion was made back in the day, how hard it is to read patterns from back in the day now, or just anything else, I highly recommend checking out her channel. Her videos are very interesting. I really like her personality and I think they're very well done. They're very well shot. Uh, so yeah, see you in a minute with my cosplay diary section. Uh, bye bye Hey, it's Melissa again, back with another cosplay diary to let you know what I've been up to. Um, it's actually been something this time. <laughs> um, so last episode I talked about um, basically finishing the clothing part of Lulu and Ginkgo. I have still not worked on anything else for Lulu and Ginkgo. I've kind of put Lulu and Ginkgo down for a second. And um, I wanted to just get something done really quick. I just really wanted to like feel the satisfaction of finishing something and getting something done. And so I actually um, was able to use a pattern by uh, Cut Sew, which is an indie pattern company, um, like female owned uh, pattern company. They have a lot of cosplay patterns, a lot of fashion patterns, and they're really cool. And I used the pattern, I believe it's number 12 and it's called Sugar Witch, which is a pattern for Charlotte from Madoka Magica. I think I talked about this in the last episode, but I don't super remember. But, um, yeah, I started that and literally I, it, two weeks from opening the pattern to finishing the costume, the final version of the costume. It was incredible. It was an incredibly fast process. I'm so happy that I was able to just whip something up, just like, just spit something out like start something and finish something within the within the span of a month like it was incredible being able to feel so productive uh, what I did was I um took some fabric that I had laying around uh some muslin that I bought specifically for the purpose of having trash fabric and some fabric that I literally just had extra of and made a mock-up of the costume um the skirt the jacket the shawl um, and the bow and the neck thing. I didn't have enough fabric for the sleeves because the sleeves are purposely very, very long. Um, but that's okay. I figured it's a sleeve. It's, <laughs> it's a sleeve. <laughs> I figured it's a sleeve. I can figure it out when I get the real fabric. And the, uh, mock-up, I'm really glad I did the mock-up because, um, the pattern 
as much as I love it, I was using the extra large size and some things weren't super on the nose for math wise. For math wise, um, the peplum at the bottom of the jacket, the little peplum edge, um, when I cut it out and when I was making the mock-up, it ended up being too short. It was like two or three inches shorter than the circumference of the bottom of the jacket. And I highly doubt it didn't say in the instructions, and I highly doubt I was supposed to gather the jacket in any way. So it was just like a kind of a math mistake. I uh, fixed that on the pattern for the final version. I like just used tape and paper and put a couple more inches on there. And so it looks fine now. Also, I, uh, as a person, have a very long torso. And so I had to um, kind of chop up and add length to the jacket pattern pieces. It wasn't that hard. I tried to cut them all around at the same spot and add, um, I think I added an inch and a half to each pattern piece. And so um, by the end, the pattern pieces were all the same size and they all fit together well, but they were all longer than the original pattern. But again, that was just a personal preference of mine because I have a long torso and I just super didn't want the jacket to end like an inch before the skirt began. Um, the skirt I kind of actually messed up on on the final version. I think I was being a little too... I think I was following the instructions very well when I was making the mock-up skirt. And when I was making the mock-up skirt, I didn't have a zipper lying around. So I didn't install a zipper and it came out fine. Um... But when I made the final version of the skirt, I think I was like focusing way too heavily on how to insert the zipper. And so uh, it didn't match up to things evenly. And luckily this, the top of the skirt is covered by the jacket. But if it wasn't, I would definitely remake the skirt because I personally messed up and things didn't add up right. And so I had to like weirdly fold shit over and gather when I was sewing and that looks really awful in the final product but again it's a part of the skirt that you can't really see because it's covered by the jacket. Speaking of the zipper for the skirt the instructions were not very clear well the instructions were just kind of like and now insert a zipper <laughs> and they were like okay put the zipper in the inside and like sew up the sides and then cut it open bada bing bada boom you got a zipper but the inside of the skirt it's two layers because it's a bubble skirt it's an outer layer and an inner layer so you have to match up the seams of the outer and inner layer and that's what I was focusing on when I was making the skirt because I realized it when I made the mock-up skirt I was like okay I don't have a zipper on hand to practice this but I know for a fact in order to insert a zipper I'm going to have to be very very careful to make sure these seams line up perfectly so that I can from the outside where both of the seams are ironed open but they're touching each other like inside the skirt that I can't get to I have to make sure that I line it up perfectly so that I can sew in the zipper and cut it open and have a zipper usable it was kind of complicated if I were to make this again I would probably um do something different with the side seam I think I would sew the side seam together and then instead of sewing them separately and then sewing them, sewing the inside and the outside separately and then putting them together, I would probably do most of that and then leave sides open so that I could sew the sides together. It wouldn't look super great for a bubble skirt, but it would make the zipper a lot easier for installing. And I'm not good at installing zippers. It's something, it was on my list 
of the year to get better at. And I feel like I did an okay job. It's a usable zipper on the skirt, but it was very difficult, very hard to maneuver. The instructions gave very few details um, or tips. The instructions were clear about like what you needed to do, but they weren't preparing you. Like luckily I read through the instructions before I made the mock-up, but it, it never prepared you early on for, okay, and the zipper's going to go here, so make sure they, like, line up or whatever. It, it was, it was kind of weird. But, um, and then, ooh, 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 okay. So, my favorite part of the costume is the shawl that I made because, um, I, so I used a burgundy maroon-ish color of fleece for the outside of the cape because, um, in pictures, a lot of pictures, her cape is, like, burgundy maroonish and so I, I got that color but because I wanted to kind of play around this costume I was really trying to play around with fabric types and and looks and just like different things I really I didn't want this to be a straight-on costume with only cotton fabrics I wanted this to be like an experience and so the inside of the cape is lined with this really really pretty cotton fabric um that has a pattern it's like this pink fabric but it has rainbow candies all over it and and the style looks very like watercolor and painted and it just I really really love it I found it at Joann's and I immediately was like that's it that's the one I need because it, it looks so similar to the way the background of her labyrinth is painted in the show and I really wanted this costume to have some element of it that was very mixed media, that was very like a callback to the labyrinth in the show. Because like this costume isn't going to be super recognizable to a lot of people, but if you recognize it, I want you to at least recognize other portions and see that like, oh man, the inside of the cape that you might never see because it's on the inside of the cape. But like if you get a glimpse of it, you're like, oh my gosh. You know, it, it looks like the labyrinth of the show. And I wanted, I, I, from the outset, I was like, I want the lining of the, of the cape to have a callback to the mixed media, um, effect and look of the labyrinth in the show. And so I was really excited to see that fabric. I was like, yes, my vision is coming true. And the color scheme doesn't look too bad with the rest of the costume. The costume itself, um, has a very varied color scheme. And I think I did a good job, um, as someone who's not familiar with like different fabric types of choosing fabric types they go well together so like i said the skirt is actually like a plain cotton pink i just didn't really want to mess with anything for the skirt um again the cape on the outside is this really nice like soft uh fleece maroon color um the the, the jacket i made with the color scheme of what you see in the show and so um the portion that like covers most of the chest is cream colored then the left portion is black and the sleeves are a brown and so for the cream color i have this like suit fabric that has this really cute little like geometric design but it's 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 in a similar color as the color of the cream and so it's you can't really tell but you can kind of tell that like there is a design you don't really need to see the design it's not really important i just wanted something that has a little bit of a design just to give the illusion of a different like texture the black is just like a plain black suiting fabric thick not very comfortable i don't know why i chose it by mistake um and the brown for the sleeves is like a um i'm, I'm feeling it just to kind of describe it it's uh it's knit i think it's a two-way stretch um which 
that scared me. I bought it and I was like, oh my God, how am I going to deal with the two-way stretch for sleeves? And so I always, when I have it on my mannequin, it's, um, I'm looking at it right now and I have the sleeves folded together (laughs) as if it's arms folded, um, because I'm trying to figure out how to store it without letting the sleeves stretch in a weird way because I don't want to put it on and have the sleeves in a really wonky shape. Yeah, so it's it's kind of a, just a knit, you know, soft fabric. It, it looks very soft, I think, which is the, I wanted it something that's very drapey and soft. I, when I was buying fabric, I always get like really anxious buying fabric. I always have like a, a mini anxiety attack, not attack, but just like I have just a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety when I'm buying fabrics especially for this because I really wanted to go outside of my comfort zone for it and I think I did and I think I did a very good job and I'm very proud of myself for it but when I was buying fabrics it was I was walking around the store and the store I buy fabric at I don't usually go to Joann's because Joann's is not very close to me so most of the fabric I bought at a smaller store close to me that is tiny and is always busy and it's just I can't move anything around in the store because it's so small and like I can't have a cart they don't have carts their store is so small uh so I always have to like be running around like looking at fabric and then running to a different portion looking at fabric and I spent like two hours it was so stressful oh I hate buying fabric I hate buying fabric when I'm not in a Joann's and this store I go to is cheaper than Joann's but it's still just like so annoying anyway Um, And I was really back and forth for a long, long time about what sleeve to get or what fabric for the sleeve to get because I always knew I wanted to do cream, black, and brown on the jacket and not just one color throughout. And I saw this one brown and I can't remember now, it might have been like a thick chiffon and I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, this would be so beautiful. Like this, it had sparkles in it and I was like, oh my gosh, like this would be so beautiful. But I kept going back and forth about like, well, would it be taking too much attention away from other portions of the costume? Do I really want it to be this loud? Is the color going to match right? Um, It was a darker brown than the one I ended up going with for the sleeve. And it was a darker brown than I wanted for the sleeve. And so I was like, okay, well, this fabric is beautiful, but like, would it work well? And I ultimately decided it wouldn't work well. And I, I really wanted it to work. I really wanted to make it work, but it just wouldn't. I just knew it was like too sparkly, too loud, uh, too dark. Just a lot, just a lot of stuff going on. I'm really happy with the fabric I got. I'm really happy with that color. And um, let's see. Oh, for the buttons, uh, they the instructions are like, get two inch buttons. And the buttons I got are really, really cute. And they're like, they're like a magenta button, but they're shaped like, kind of bowl-like. They're not very flat, which I really enjoy. And the look of them looks like it was a black button and then someone like, like scratch painted on the magenta. And so it, it, it has a really like painted feel and it has a real textured like look to it. Again, really wanted to just add a lot of like textures and stuff into this costume. And I think it works really well. Um, the clasp, you're supposed to have a frog clasp for the um, cape and I ended up getting like a metal clasp um, that I think when I wear it around it might be a little annoying because the cape isn't necessarily tight it's kind of a loose cape it's kind of very large 
Um, and so I think the clasp will kind of become annoying because it doesn't necessarily work if the fabric is not taut. Uh, so it might jingle around and not look great, but like, I, I like the way it looks on my mannequin. So, <laughs> but it's, um, it's a metal clasp and it has little swirly things on the end. So it's a metal clasp with little, two little swirls on each end, which again, really reminded me of the, um, look of the labyrinth. It just, it just really called back a, a memory of the labyrinth. And so I just wanted to get that. It's a little detail, but I, I just wanted every little detail to mean something and to, to have something at a place in my mind. Um, and finally, the neck floof and the bow. Oh my gosh. Guys, this was the hardest part of this fucking costume. Uh, the, the neck poof and the bow are both black fleece with red wool, needle felted into the black fleece. Because I knew I wouldn't be able, I, I tried. I looked in Joanne's, I tried to find a black fleece with red polka dots already. I could not. And I was not going to use a cotton. I wanted to use a fleece for this. I really, really wanted that fuzzy look and feel. So I thought to myself, well, I follow a bunch of channels on YouTube that do needle felting. I've heard you can needle felt onto fleece. Let's do it. And so, <laughs> and Joanne's I bought, oh no, 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 actually I had to go to Michael's for this. Um, I went to Michael's and I bought some red felting wool, which comes in like a roll. It's pre-squished down and you have to rip it apart yourself to use it, which is no big deal. And I got, you know, the wool felt, the needle felting kit with a, with a needle and a block of styrofoam, which, okay. I was trying it. I was doing it. I, I was semi-successful at doing it. I made the neck flu first. I, I put the, I put the dots in the neck flu first. And what I ended up having to do, because it just wasn't sticking very well. It wasn't going through that well. I was destroying my styrofoam because I was using it so much. My styrofoam, like I would, I would needle for so long. And then I actually ended up having to put a piece of plastic under the styrofoam because I would go through the styrofoam so much and hit my own leg and it hurt like a lot. <laughs> Not that much. I never drew blood, but it was still just like, ow, just poking myself in the knee. What, what the heck? And, um, it just wasn't going through very well. It wasn't sticking very well. I had a feeling that the needle I was using wasn't super great for it, but I only had the one needle because the other needle I bought broke. <laughs> I tried to use it once and it just snapped in half and I was like, what the hell? Um, and I ended up having to like anchor it from the back with a little more felt on the back just to see if I could like lock the two sides together. And even now I don't think it's stuck on there very well, but I already made it. Not gonna mess with it. If it falls off, I don't care. <laughs> so then when I was working on the bow, I ended up going back to Michael's to see if I could buy another styrofoam block. And while I was at Michael's the second time, I also bought a bigger needle, like a more coarse needle, because I, I figured that that was probably a problem. My friend suggested it on Instagram. I was like, oh, cool. Do you do this? And they were like, no, I've never done this before, but that just like sounds like a thing to say. And I was like, what the, what, what? But it was a good idea. And I'm still very mad at them for having a good idea, even though they had no idea what they were talking about. But anyway, um, so I was at Michael's the second time and I saw this wood block with like brush fibers that were like you know sawed off at the top so it was a straight thing and you could use that instead of the styrofoam and I was like well how would that work better than the styrofoam but I bought it 
because it looked a lot more reusable than the styrofoam. And I hoped for the best and I got home and I started working on the bow. Holy crap, it worked so much better than the styrofoam. If you're trying to needle felt wool into fleece, do not buy a styrofoam block. Buy the more expensive thing, but I swear you will so much like the investment better because the styrofoam, it 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 it, it was just a, a crumbling piece of garbage by the end. And this wood block will not do that. <laughs> it has a built-in thing to protect your legs so you don't go through. It I don't know what the science is, but it works so much better. I started doing it. Holy crap, the felt actually went through, sorry, the wool actually went through the felt. It stuck on. It was incredible. I was doing it so much faster and so much better. I didn't even have to anchor it from the back. It was such a better process. And the reason I'm going off on this so much is because this is something I've never done before and I was experimenting for for this costume. And it worked and I was right. And I'm so happy. Oh my god. Because after... After I got that wool block thing, the brush looking thing, like it looks like a brush you would brush a horse with. It's so weird, but it works so well. And I got a more coarse needle and it, it, it works so well. So if, if you're trying to needle felt a design into fleece, one, I don't necessarily recommend trying to needle felt a very detailed design, but if you want to take the time and do that, I don't think it's impossible, but I think it would be kind of difficult. Two, get the horse brush. Three, get a coarse needle. Do not get a fine one. Don't use a needle that comes with a styrofoam block. That was, don't do anything. <laughs> use a coarse needle. Um, I ended up getting the like needle holder thing that you can replace the needle in. And I bought a set of needles and I used the coarsest one. Excuse me, sorry. And it worked like a charm. I'm so amazed. I'm so impressed. I'm so amazed. It's incredible. Oh my god. But so yeah, the costume itself, the sewing parts are done. I think for the finishing touch, obviously I need to get a wig. Obviously I need to play around with makeup because I do really want to play with like a inhuman look of the makeup. I want to use like white face paint and really play around with what I can do with the makeup. I don't necessarily want to look too cute and too human. I want to look like freaky. Um, and I kind of want to get like a pair of pink tights and dye the bottom of it red. I want to have like an ombre tight thing going on. Get some cute Lolita shoes. Um, and yeah, so like the costume's not done by any means, but the sewing is, the pattern was such a help. Holy crap, having instructions telling you what to cut out and what to do. Wow. <laughs> so useful so um yeah if you want to make this costume I highly recommend the cut sew pattern I think most cut sew patterns are about 20 bucks but I bought this pattern and a fashion pattern this pattern is so thick you get it in the mail and you're like holy crap this is so thick because it's a complete outfit pattern for $20 so it kind of like the price isn't super great but like they're an indie company they need to make money <laughs> like I don't blame them at all um for that price point um I would highly recommend making a mock-up to see if it fits you right because the sizes go from small to extra large and luckily I do fit with the extra large but like I said there were a few math things that I had to kind of figure out that I kind of had to fix but it wasn't too bad um, so yeah, I'd recommend doing a mock-up just so you don't like ruin your nice fabric with a mistake that like you can address before you use your nice fabric. 
And um, yeah, I highly recommend it. I think it's a really cute design. I'm in love with my costume, but it's weird because I haven't worked on it for months that it, it, it like I look at it and I'm just like, who made that? What's that? Where'd that come from? Where'd I buy that from? It's weird that, like, I didn't spend so much time on it, and so I don't have a weird, like, place in my heart that hates it but also loves it. I'm just kind of like, oh, look at that. I made that. Cute. <laughs> um, and I'm hoping that's a kind of a thing I can do for more costumes, just kind of whip it up, because I want to be able to do that. Like, I don't want to spend so much of my life on one costume. I, I still want to get, like, three more done by the end of the year. <laughs> oh, my God. They'll probably be smaller costumes, um, but yeah, long story short, I'm super happy with my Charlotte cosplay. Again, I need to, you know, play around with a cause test with makeup and a wig and, and some more stuff, but the majority of it is done. I love it. I'm so happy with it. Yay. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's the end of this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. These are coming out once a month. I really hope I can get to a point where I can put these out more often um, because of me. I'm really making these for myself. If you're listening to this, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, but I'm really just making this for my own amusement. Um, but if you enjoyed it, cool. So that's all I had to say this month. <laughs> um, happy cosplaying and oh man. Oh, man. Using a pattern rocks, dude. <laughs> See ya!